Hi, I'm Brandi Jensen, and I edit the Outlines Unconventional Wisdom series. Each week, we invite a new writer to challenge those faux-profound bits of wisdom so often taken for granted. And now, here's Helena Fitzgerald taking on that cliche we all know and love, that you have to love yourself before you can be ready for a relationship. We live in a golden age of advice giving, of gurus and know-it-alls and professional grandmothers, of someone who knows better as its own industry. Social media means that we are pressed closer than we have ever been against the available examples of other people's lives. With so much permission and even obligation to look at one another, there is more drive than ever to see other lives as comparable to our own. It makes sense that we would reach for nearly any nearby person's choices as a lesson we can graft onto our own living. One piece of advice popular in these quasi-professional advice-giving times is some version of the sentiment that you have to love yourself before you can love anyone else. This standby is a near cousin of the even more insidious, how can you expect anyone to love you if you don't love yourself? Both offer the idea that in order to have a healthy and happy relationship with another person, one first must have a healthy and happy relationship with oneself. With the problem of self-love solved, one can expect a loving relationship with another human to naturally appear. So you'll definitely want to hear the rest of this advice. So head to theoutline.com to read the rest. In this restaurant, patron. Every Monday through Thursday, we bring you a new story on the theme of power, culture, or the future. Handpicked from theoutline.com. I'm your host, James T. Green, and this is The Dispatch. Power. How did you get interested in the subject? <laughs> sure. Um, so I guess <laughs> the answer to that is just sort of by being a person who has feelings and lives in the world. Um, (laughs) But uh, I think that um, I've just been very frustrated often um, by the idea in the past that, um, you know, when I've been unhappy with the relationships I've been finding um, or when friends of mine had been, you know, unhappy with um, finding or not finding relationships, um, that often the advice, whether from other friends or from, you know, online advice columnists or from just like commonly accepted wisdom um, was that, well, you know, that's because you're not ready. Um, And what was less annoying to me about, you know, that them being told that that was the reason they weren't finding a relationship was the idea that the way to find a relationship was to become emotionally stable as though if you could just do that, you would get this reward for it. Right. Um, like there's a one place to be and life <laughs> right, is not exactly. just super messy. Yeah. And also like as though self-love and emotional stability were anything other than a moving target. Um, mm-hmm. And as though, you know, there were any reward for those things other than themselves. Um you know, I think that um, it's such a false promise to tell people that, like, well, you know, if you get your shit together emotionally, then all these other good things will fall into your lap. That not only just completely misreads the way that, like, people meet each other and that attraction um, and love and interest work, um, it also 
um, really cheapens, I think, the ideas of like trying to legitimately find emotional stability and trying to legitimately work on yourself because it isn't, it shouldn't be goal oriented. Um, and I think, you know, I've seen a lot of people, myself included, um, sort of think like, okay, you know, am I good enough now? Have I gotten to the top of the mountain? Where's my reward? Um, and, you know, the advice is kind of self-perpetuating. Um, if you're trying to like go on a journey toward being in a better emotional place because you think that then, you know, one day like a bell will ring and you're in a good enough emotional place and you'll turn around and meet the love of your life, you know, that sort of prevents you from ever really getting to a stable emotional place, mm. um, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, like this, thinking back about this, like it feels like a very American way of thinking. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Right, like we want everything to be a race we can win and a competition and something where, you know, there's, I think there's an American way of thinking about um, things like love and things like emotional stability, for lack of a better term, where it's like, okay, I can line myself up with everyone else I know and I can say, like, who's the best and who's the second best and so on. And human emotions, could not work less that way. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I think that it's a very American way of thinking and it's like a very corporate way of thinking, which, right. you know, is sort of what a lot of American ways of thinking are. Yeah, it's like everything is on like a set plan. Like it's almost like the <laughs> conveyor belt nature of life. <laughs> right. And like the, you know, the people who are more good will find more good relationships mm. and the people who are less good will find less good relationships, which just, you know, that's wrong in like several directions at once. Um, both that good can't be quantified in that way. And that, you know, there are plenty of fantastic, emotionally stable people who either aren't really looking for or interested in um, a serious relationship aren't prioritizing it or who are, but simply aren't finding that because like this stuff really just works entirely through luck. Yeah. I really like, I really like how you mentioned that, like the idea that it like kind of putting the onus on like, all right, the only reason to love yourself mm -hmm. is for the love of another person, but it does kind of cheapen right. kind of the, the self discovery mm -hmm. of like, damn, I really love myself. Like, right. And also it, um, you know, I'm sort of, I'm throwing around this term in a totally not um, expert psychiatric way at all. Um, but to me, that also kind of builds codependence into the idea of how to get a relationship. Because, you know, if the only proof that you love yourself is that someone else loves you, um, you know, that makes your self-love dependent on the reaction you get from that person, which is a horribly unstable way to be in a relationship um, and is, you know, among other things, not a particularly fair way to treat someone else who you're trying to interact with. It, there, there's like a little dash of Catholic guilt in there too. It seems. <laughs> there's always like, I think a lot of dashes of Catholic guilt in, um, I think, you know, secular ways of thinking about, mm -hmm. or at least Christian guilt in, like, uh, secular ways of thinking about feelings, uh, particularly in this country. Mm. Um, you know, we've kind of buried that in seemingly non-Christian language, but 
I think most ideas of deservingness definitely go back to like one or another Christian tradition. Hmm. Um, So I'm very (laughs) curious, like, do you think like maybe this is perhaps in relation to like the further sect, I don't even know if secularizing is the right <laughs> word, but like sure, yeah, the sec- yeah. secularizing of American culture, where it's just like, all right, like, you know, I, I grew up in the church. Um, yeah. And I remember mm-hmm. very clearly, like, kind of like self love was replaced by love for God. Right. You yeah, know what totally. I mean? So it's like when God is no longer in the place, it's like, all right, like, do you feel like maybe there's like this greater thing that's occurring there? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, because I think that you know, we, um, all of like, this is essentially a Christian country and it, we have tried to move away from that in some ways, but I think in many ways, those languages have just been translated into languages about like personal relationships and like your relationship to yourself. So, you know, one thing that I think is very, very Christian is the idea of deservingness. Mm -hmm. Um, and the idea that like, if you don't get something you want, it's because you didn't work hard enough for it. Um, And, you know, that's translated into a secular idea and sort of a corporate idea. Um, You know, that's very much like salvation is if you just work harder. Um, But like that comes right out of Christian languages as well, that, you know, the, it's just sort of a translation of the fault is in yourself for not loving God truly enough. Mm -hmm. Um, for not, uh, you know, that you somehow haven't fully committed yourself to what, you know, in a religious language is like a Christian journey of committing yourself to God, but to utterly oversimplify it, um, it is the desire to not have to let things just be random chance. Why do you think we're so allergic to the idea of chance? I (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's scary. Like, it's scary to think that, you know, I can't, this is something I can't control one way or another, um, especially if it's something that feels urgent, if it's something that you really want. Um, it's very comforting to think, well, if I just do, you know, steps one through five, and I do steps one through five right. exactly right, exactly as I was told to do them, even if like they're very difficult, um, being guaranteed a reward at the end of that is very, very comforting. Um, because, you know, random chance makes us feel helpless and it's and especially now with this like current worldly climate you know what i mean it's like yeah and it's it's, it reminds me of something that i read not too long ago and it's like i I forgot where it was but it's this idea that like our generation particularly is very attracted to things that have or appear to have some sort of heritage and history um and and the writer made the connection that it's in relation to like the fact that like we're surrounded by so much uncertainty. So we want to even feel that we have somewhat of a piece of control. It's like, why not have that in your love life? (laughs) Right. That that totally makes sense to me. Um, You know, I think that you see that all the time with also um, if you look at, you know, which is pretty closely connected to the world of like love life, personal life advice giving, um, you know, also if you look at stuff about like career success, because obviously, you know, um, this generation is also, you know, hugely obsessed with the idea of, you know, how to make yourself a breakout success with like startup culture and stuff like that. 
Um, and you look at like things that even turn into memes that yeah. are like, well, here's what all successful people do. And like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's easy to like make fun of that. Like it's, you know, right. it's patently sort of absurd. Um, but if you kind of dig underneath where it's absurd, I think it does come from, you know, the fear of what if I'm not able to make myself successful? Um, right. And the desire to not have to look at the fact that like, Success is extraordinarily unfair and one of the numerous ways, not the only way, mm-hmm. in which it's both unfair and uncontrollable is that a lot of it is just random chance. Um, and in some ways, it's more comforting to think, okay, all successful people do these five things and all I have to do is do those five things. Right. Something is guaranteed to me. Right. It's like it's like a desire for, uh, for science in yeah. something where science is not valid (laughs) yes that's that's exactly it yeah um and i think that that's the same thing with you know this idea of okay here's here's what you have to do to get someone to show up and love you um which is just you know almost the furthest thing from what can be controlled by science Um, right and if there was like a scientist that did find that they would be like (laughs) Nobel Peace Prize galore, you know? Right, exactly, yeah. Um, And, you know, and scientists try to all the time, and, well, pseudoscientists, I think, try to all the time is probably a more accurate way to say it. Because even if it's sort of demonstrably not controllable, people are so hungry to just have, you know, a path they can follow to being loved. You know, everybody's had the experience of you know, there's some, or most people have had the experience of there's someone you're interested in, or there's someone you used to be with. And instead of being with you, there was someone else. And you look at the person they're with and you think, wait a sec, I'm better than that person. You know, even if you'd never say it out loud. Um, And (laughs) like, what, what does that person have that I don't have? And the answer is always nothing. The answer is always just that, you know, who someone is attracted to and who someone, you know, right. enjoys spending their time with. Um, Which is by so much chance. <laughs> right, exactly. And, like, it's not really something that is even, like, it's not really comprehensible in ourselves to ourselves. Like, yeah. why we're drawn to one person and not drawn to another. Um, right. But there sure is a whole lot of, there sure are a whole lot of people making money off the idea that it can be quantified yeah and it's like very interesting um because now at least like a lot of relationships and uh love are predicated by algorithms now um and (laughs) and dating apps and things like so like i'm married and Mm -hmm. i and i met my partner by chance Mm -hmm. in college Ten years ago, it was the first day of class, and oh my gosh. the only seat open was next. Yeah, and only seat open was next to hers, and I oh sat down. Gosh. We started talking, and the old-fashioned way. Yeah, very, very old-fashioned, <laughs> and it's like literally, like I think about that a lot. It's like I would have never met her if right. a I got into a different school, or if I was late, or if I was sick, or mm-hmm. I didn't get placed in that class, and it's just yeah. all chance. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, You know, and even, and it's true, I think, of any relationship that even with, even if you meet someone on a dating app that's controlled by an algorithm, there's still the random chance of 
you know, the fact that you decide to go to the first in-person meetup with them instead of deciding to cancel. The fact that, like, you don't meet someone else attractive on your walk to the bar where you're going to meet them. Um, That's very obvious. But, you know, it's like, I think about that, too, with, you know, meeting my husband, who I also met by random chance and that any relationship occurs by random chance. Um, <laughs> and we did meet online. Um, but, uh, you know, I think about it all the time in a way that like, you know, always sends a little chill down my spine. Like I could have done like one thing differently the day that like we started talking online or the day that we met in person and like this relationship wouldn't have happened. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, Um, it's a little bit unsettling because it reminds you like how much of the really big, important things in your life are not particularly within your own control. So, I mean, this is going to be a big ask here, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but like, as like in, in a way you are giving advice in unconventional wisdoms here. So like, what, what would be your, what would be your advice to give, um, for someone like in this situation? Like, would it sure. be something as simple as be open to chance or? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it probably, that is sort of why I feel okay about it being advice giving, because if it's advice giving, it is the loosest possible advice giving, um, you know, which is just try things. They probably won't work out. Um, you know, it, uh, it, I think saying, you know, just try things, but I think also on the other hand, saying, you know, not to expect rewards for things, I guess, is the closest thing to advice. Yeah, which sucks. Um, But, you know, that especially in the realm of, um, of love, of personal relationships that, you know, the reason you should want to be, um, you know, more emotionally stable, even the reason that, you know, one should want to be like a better partner mm-hmm. has to not be um, about the reward you're going to get for it. Um, has to not be about, okay, if I do X, then this other person will give me Y. Mm. Um, and I guess that's the closest thing to advice, which is still, um, you know, not particularly either specific or uh, prescriptive. It is so nice because that piece of advice. I feel like can be plugged into virtu- uh, into almost everything. Totally. Yeah. Um, like there are certainly, you know, situations in life that are a little bit more set up for rewards than interpersonal relationships. But there are, I think there are a lot of situations where saying, you know what, work on, work on the things you can control and try to, um, you know, accept that random chance plays a huge part in it um is important and is helpful that was writer and essayist helena fitzgerald thanks helena thanks so where can people find you on the internet uh you can find me on the internet uh on twitter at uh hell fitzgerald that's h-e-l fitzgerald all one word the Outline World Dispatch is produced and hosted by me, James T. Green. Our music is courtesy of APM, and our theme is by the fantastic John Lagamarsino. I'm James T. Green. See you later. <laughs>